This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. I'm Carol Masser. And I'm Tim Stenevec. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra, our weekly podcast bringing you a highlight or favorite or just really cool interview from the week. This one, it is a cool one. It's a timely discussion considering the Bloomberg exclusive on the group of hackers who breached a massive trove of security camera data and coming on the heels of two other major hacks. That's right. China's global attack on Microsoft's popular email software. Tim, we got that last week or just about a week ago. And then, of course, the equally sprawling Russian attack discovered three months ago. A lot of folks are saying we're not talking about all of this enough. And the stakes are getting even higher when it comes to cybersecurity. And and once you listen to this interview, you may want to think (laughs) twice about your home security cameras and connected home devices. It certainly helped me think more about that. Uh, Great voice on this. Right. It's Teresa Payton, former White House Chief Information Officer. Tim, she was the first woman to hold that position at the White House. She's also CEO at the cybersecurity advisory and strategy firm, Fortalis. This particular attack, um, although it's incredibly unfortunate because uh, personal and confidential information was surveilled, as these um, hackers alerted everybody um, and turned most everything over, But what does that mean for other hackers who potentially took advantage of the super admin access, this password that was out in password uh, dumps of past data breaches? They're probably not the only ones who took advantage of that type of access. And so what does that mean? Um, So a couple of things. Um, This is an avoidable situation. Uh, Having super admin accounts should be incredibly rare, and those passwords should be changed very frequently. That can be a great way to avoid something like this from happening or to at least minimize the damages from the surveillance. The other thing that all companies can do, not just for cameras, but for employee access and very like critical information access, is create a login behavior analysis where you look at behavioral patterns. What times of day does this particular user or system log in? What's the internet services provider they usually log into you from? What operating system? uh, What type of device is being used? All of those can give you some baselines and some clues because you and I are creatures of habit. Mm -hmm. And when you see an anomaly, that could be a warning that that is not the system or the person who's the authorized user. It could be somebody else. You know, it's interesting, too, because I find if I log in on certain accounts and they're like, wait, we don't recognize this device that you're on, I certainly get a, a, a red flag. I feel like this should be the norm. Is it not the norm? And you talk about the you know, admin account. It just sounds like these are basic cybersecurity steps to be taken. You know, But if you look across the country, are we not doing it? If we look across government, are these not being kind of normally done? Yeah, oftentimes it's not being done. And the burden rests squarely on the shoulders of businesses, government organizations, and users. I mean, in this particular instance, you would think if you're buying a security camera, hmm, it should be secure out of the box. And But the burden is actually on the business to say, well, wait a minute, let's make sure it doesn't have a default password. Well, wait a minute, let's, let's make sure we have logging behaviors. You know, all of those things, many businesses who don't do cybersecurity for a living expect that to be in there out of the box. And I keep asking the question, well, why isn't it? Like, why do we Mm -hmm. continue to put this burden 
on the purchaser of the technology. So that's a big reason why it's still missing from sort of daily operating routines of many organizations. Teresa, when you look out at our world, and I think about even my home, these smart homes, right? And we talk about smart cities and all these things that are in many ways making our world more connected, uh, easier in some regards, but I wonder how much it's making it more vulnerable to our world easily being shut down. How do you see it? Yeah, I mean, I I do believe we have reached sort of this critical mass where technology is truly ubiquitous. I mean, to the point where you don't even realize it's there uh, between the smart devices in your home, the cameras in your uh, laptops, your tablets. Maybe you have a camera on your door. Maybe you unlock your door using an app on your phone. All of those different conveniences and advancements we have in our lives that some of us have learned, you know, like you can't live without them for many people. Um, they are collecting patterns of life. And so the, the challenge that we have is, is our inability to secure data, a la this camera hacking, a la SolarWinds, Microsoft, you know, name the last 15 um, organizations that have been victims of a cybercrime um, that data as it gets collected could, in fact, in the future, be used to do a digital walk-in on your life or mine. Those, those patterns are things that are used to identify you and I, um, to give us health insurance, to mm-hmm. create credit scores. And the question is, is when do you and I get to opt in or opt out of that data collection and have it be aggregated under our name? Well, we don't. <laughs> right? I mean, like exactly. you think about anytime you try to do something, if you don't opt in or agree, basically to those documents that nobody can read, you know, you can't access something, you know, you're increasingly your hands are tied in terms of society. I have a question for you. And this is something that that stuck with me many times I did panels with um, tech leaders, tech CEOs, who would be like, yeah, um, my kid, I limit how much they're on social media. Yeah, I I don't let my kid really spend a lot of time on a laptop or something. Do you limit kind of security access in your in your life, whether it's cameras or smart homes or anything like how do you because you're concerned because you see the risk that's out there? I do. So for example, um, we do have security cameras, they're outside the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I manage them, and, and I specifically didn't want baby cams in the house um, when my children were small, and I didn't want cameras inside the house. As a matter of fact, we actually have um, a couple of smart home uh, devices, you know, those assistants like Alexa and Google Home, and we're very specific where they are. As a matter of fact, they're located near our two rescue Great Pyrenees, and when we leave the house, they the Pyrenees like to listen to Ella Fitzgerald when we're gone. So uh, <laughs> Who doesn't like to listen to Ella? <laughs> I mean, right. Who yeah. doesn't? They have good taste. But uh, we'll actually, uh, just to make it a point with my children, mm-hmm. um, when we're talking about family matters or school or anything in particular that you wouldn't want to broadcast out on the Internet, we make it a point as a family to unplug those devices. We make it a point to make sure that those Internet of Things devices are not as part of the family conversation. I mean, how many times have you said something to somebody and Siri wakes up and says, I'm sorry, I didn't understand you. (laughs) Too many, too often. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So there is a way to integrate this technology to make it work on your behalf. Just always understand that everything is hackable. And so you just have to be thinking about when this is compromised, 
What did it have access to? How could it be damaging to my family and friends who may have come in contact with it? And you'll operate a little differently and you'll be able to mitigate the damages that happen. And it's the same thing for business. Just thinking about that technology, it's great to have. Just assume it will be compromised. So what would the downstream impacts be if it were? It's like a, something to really, really think about. Well, so then do you think like the story that our William Turton did, um, you know, about these group of hackers that say they breached all these security camera, uh, you know, uh, security cameras uh, and their data collection to kind of show and remind the world or show the world kind of in an expose of like, look at how easily you can be exposed. Are they in, in many ways, do you think doing us a service and, and, and will people kind of wake up because of this? Uh, I I wish I could say this would be everybody's wake-up call, but everybody's so stressed and busy. And during this time of pandemic, we're all told to be away from each other. You know, before the pandemic, we were worried about screen time. And now we're worried about being within six feet of other people. Um, The other thing that I would say is researchers um, who do um, ethical hacking and produce the results, it does provide the greater good a good service. My caution to this group and other groups like them is you should really do it with the right rules of engagement and approach because you could have unintended consequences when you jump into something like this where you could have actually taken very important cameras by accident offline Mm -hmm. while you were doing what you were doing. And what if those cameras were vital and important to national security and safety? So I always caution just because you can and you've got good intent, does it mean you should? Like, really understand the rules of engagement um, before you engage in ethical white hack hacking. I know it's a good interview when our head of technical operations here at radio is, like, uh, sending me messages and, like, commenting on things you're saying. <laughs> like, I just know people in, in general are just listening. So what's your advice? Just got about 40 seconds. Um, Teresa, you know, you understand this world. You're talking to companies. You're talking to individuals. What can we all do, or at least what's one step that we should be taking when it comes to cybersecurity and concerns? Yeah, I think one step is have a playbook. Assume you could be breached or your technology could fail you and practice a digital disaster. It's the best thing that you can do to understand where your gaps, your holes are, and hopefully you'll never need the playbook, but it can be a great way to just sort of get everybody rallied around trying to prevent that event from happening. That was Teresa Payton, former White House Chief Information Officer and CEO at Fortalis. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra. Be sure to listen to our Bloomberg Business Week daily radio show, airing live Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio. Watch us too on our daily broadcast on YouTube. Just search Bloomberg Global News. And you can also see me on Bloomberg Quick Take, available at Bloomberg.com slash QT and then streaming platforms like Roku, Apple TV, Samsung TV, and more. I'm Tim Stenovec. And I'm Carol Masser. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.